From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, July 13th, 2020. Tiger's back, golf's back, we're five events in, and that means we need from the Golf News Net, Ryan Ballinger to rejoin us. Hello, Ryan. Welcome back. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, let's start here. Are you surprised that five events in, we are still full go on the PGA Tour? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, if you had asked me in March or April, yeah, I would have been enthusiastic and rather surprised. Um, but with what's happening in the country right now, I mean, there's twelve to 15,000 new cases a day in Florida, uh, and you can spread that out to 60,000 or so nationwide, and it uh, seems like nothing really is shutting down in response to that. Uh, nothing seems to have substantively changed, except maybe some indoor dining and bar closures in different parts of the country. Uh, and, and comparatively, the PGA Tour is maybe, what, a couple of positive tests a week? Yeah. Uh, but by comparison, they're they're killing it. Uh, they're doing great. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all works out this week because of two relatively down fields compared to the first three. Um but so some guys are going to be coming back. Well, they, hopefully they will have done the right thing the last couple of weeks when they haven't been playing and, and stayed away from any potential uh, contagion. But uh, so far, pretty darn good. I think Hilton Head was the, was the eye-opener. Hilton Head and Travelers, I think, was the eye-opener in terms of, okay, we need to take this really seriously. And you heard those reports out of Colonial. You may have gotten source information on this as well of players, caddies, other people not taking this seriously. And I think we've seen the level of discipline that's needed. You're going to live a boring life. Justin Thomas talked about this after his Saturday round. It's, you know, for, for these two weeks, golf course, the house I'm staying in, my grandparents' house who live 10 minutes from the golf course, back to my house, golf course, back to my house, golf course, back to my house. Sorry, I don't live a very adventuresome life right now, just the way it is. And I think you're seeing more and more of that. And I think that's some of the discipline here that I think was lacking early on. And I think now that the Watneys and the Cam Champs of the world were the wake-up call of the tour, plus all those caddies, I think this is the real opener for, okay, we need to really watch ourselves and be careful here. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that for the players, the realization was Harbortown because that was just as, I think, it dawned on people that South Carolina was a problem. Yes. <laughs> and nation, you know, more broadly. But then they saw what was going on, lack of mask wearing, lack of really any kind of adherence to CDC guidelines around coronavirus. I think it dawned on the players that, wait, we're kind of out on an island here. We're a floating island, basically, from tournament to tournament. And some of that caught up with travelers because of the number of positives. And I think that was when the PGA Tour kind of then did their part and said, look, we've got to clamp down. We've, got, we've also got to be flexible, but we've got to clamp down on our behavior. Um, we have to just be aware of what's going on. And if you guys can't buy into this, then this can't keep going. And so I think it was kind of that one-two, and you know, the last couple of weeks have been been pretty solid. And again, they've become flexible on their policies a little bit on when you can play and trying to group guys and adding people to field. 
as the testing comes along, and I, I think that's been a good thing so far, and, and hopefully they will continue to be able to be flexible, but they're about to go into a stretch where they're going to get into, you know, they're going to go to California, where California is its own kind of uh, set of issues right now is one of the, the big rising hot spots in the country. Uh, then they're going to go to North Carolina. That's its own hot spot. Tennessee before that, hot spot. Um, both those states lack mask wearing. So they're, they're going to get tested a little bit here. And the, that's one thing. But the other side of it is we're about to hit the stretch where I think every player that can play is going to play most weeks here on out other than maybe Wyndham, then that, that'll probably still have a better-than-usual field. So the bubble is probably going to be pretty tight in terms of who's coming in and who's coming out. And remember, we have an opposite field event coming up, too, in Reno, and that's, yep. that's A, a hot spot, Nevada, but B, it's another situation of now you've got guys splitting off, and how's that going to impact things? So it, it, it really is a... a robust thing and writers were taping this 1 p.m. Eastern Russell Westbrook has come out and said that he has tested positive for COVID so maybe as the, the discipline as a country wanes we will um, maybe these star athletes unfortunately and celebrities and whoever else will be kind of what gets the nation back under discipline but at this point I have no idea what's going to uh, ultimately make it work. We're talking to Ryan Ballinger here on Teeing It Up. How would you assess the job CBS is doing? You know, in, 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 in my mind, they have done for the limited resources, the streamlined production, the fact that they don't have way close to as many people as they used to. I think they've actually done really, really well. There has not been a big technical issue. They lost Orlando for like two segments couple weeks ago uh, in in Detroit and besides that there's been no real technical gaffe of any kind and I really give CBS and Sean McManus and everybody who worked on that plan from Lance Barrow and 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 the A team to Seller Shine the B team everything they did seems to have worked so far and I give CBS a ton of credit for what they've done how about from your perch I think they've done a good job. I mean, there's still going to be the issues with how many shots they show and the cadence of the broadcast and trying to fulfill sponsor obligations and all those things. A lot of that is they're hampered by the tour, but they also, just the way they try to figure out fitting all that in just doesn't jive with a lot of people. But that said, with the limited technical capability they have and the limited number of staff they have, I think it's been pretty good. And the, the good news has been They've had great tournaments. Yeah. Uh, every one of them has been good in different ways, but every one of them has been good. So there's been a reason for people to hang around. There's been a reason to find points to lay out and kind of let caddy conversations with players speak for themselves. They've used the drone in different times. Uh, the shot that they had of uh, Harbor Town from the drone near sunset was stunning. Uh, they've used it a couple of different times last week or at Memorial, well, I shouldn't say Memorial, at Deerfield Village, yes. that was really good. So there have been bright spots, and I think it's been better than your average CBS telecast. And that's, I guess, all you can really hope for because they're they're running the show here until we get to the second leg of the playoffs. Yeah, and I think one thing to keep in mind, folks, with the PGA Tour announcing today no fans and no pro-ams for the duration, that means you will keep seeing the drones. The reason why you haven't seen drones before 
excuse me, is concern over people and, and FAA regulations, that now goes away. So the rest of this run, this this 11 event run CBS is on, um, you're, you're going to get drone coverage every week and it's going to be really, really cool and really spectacular. We're talking to Ryan Ballinger. You brought up something about the high quality of these events and they really have been just utterly sensational golf coming out. Have you been surprised with how well some of these guys have played coming out? Um, because frankly, I think a lot of us were wondering, are, are, are we going to see scores in the 80s? Are we going to see a bunch of four under pars? Are we going to see shanks and ugly golf and this and that? And instead, it's been high quality week after week after week. I wouldn't say that I'm surprised the best players in the world are playing good golf. I mean, <laughs> even if you told them they couldn't play golf for a year, I, I think they could come back and shoot in the 60s. Um, they're, I mean, they're just tremendous talents. I mean, we've seen some poor rounds. I mean, Peter Malnati shot, what, 84 on Saturday. Uh, and there have been some, and I think uh, Siwoo had a terrible round yesterday. But uh, there have been some clunkers out there. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But that happens to a lot of guys. And... Uh, that's just kind of a natural part of professional golf sometimes. But I, I, I just think having all the big names, really, at least at least each week, several top names playing a key part in the leaderboard, that has been unexpected. Because every, I don't know how many number of weeks, but every three, four weeks, there's usually a leaderboard where you're like, yeah, I mean, that's it's good, but I, I don't know a lot of these guys. And that has not been the case. I mean, we've had three, or excuse me, five really interesting, and again, varied player types on the leaderboard. And we've had a good mix, really good mix, having the younger players, the next generation, uh, whether you're just out of college, like Wolf and Hovland and Morikawa, or sort of removed from college, like JT and Daniel Berger and uh, Xander Shoffley, uh, those types of guys. Uh, and Bryson. So, yeah. but the the guys in their twenties have dominated the conversation so far, save for Webb winning at uh, Harbor Town, and he's not that old. So, uh, I think that's been a very good thing for the tour to have these younger guys be such a key part of what's going on and reintroducing a broader audience to them at a time when there's really nothing else to watch. So you can get acclimated to these guys pretty quickly and, and root for them. Yesterday was so much fun. I mean, that final round was all you could ask for. And I thought when JT eagled 15 and Morikawa had the problems, I thought this is Justin Thomas's tourney, three up with three to play. And he hit that shot on 16 just a tad too far. Morikawa birdie 17. JT with the poor tee shot on 18, which led to... Morikawa being able to sneak in literally 270 in the hole to get into the playoff. And then Ryan, when JT hit it to 50 feet and Morikawa hits it to 23, I'm like, all right, par, par, we're moving on. I never expected two birdies there. And that roar was the loudest roar we have heard all, all during this run. I mean, that was just spectacular high quality playoff golf and it's a shame a tree got in the way from JT being able to do something out of the rough on the third playoff hole but a really cool I mean just a cool finish uh, for JT to go on fire like that and it kind of be the not the old guy but the experienced guy yeah. who was going after these young guns and then kind of proving to them like hey I am a top guy not just a top guy right now 
and then to give it back and and have Morikawa do so well in the playoff and not back down. I mean, his match birdie on the first playoff hole, I did not expect that at all, especially after the really shaky putt just to get into the playoff from like two and a half feet. But he learned something, I think, from JT's putt in regulation because it slipped back to the right, and he remembered that yeah. uh, to make that. So that was really cool to see. And just, I think that that emotion from JT on the putt, um, the, the big birdie putt, the 56-footer, um, that that's what's kind of been missing, I think, from golf a little bit. Yeah. That's in part because there's nobody around to celebrate with you. There's nobody around to cheer after you get riled up by. Uh, so it was cool to kind of have that that piece of emotion from golf back, even for a fleeting moment. But you could tell the guys really wanted it. You could tell they were engaged in a really good battle. And again, as long as we keep having those really good battles, it doesn't really necessarily matter who's in them, although stars are preferred. But if you keep having those week after week, then people are going to be entertained, and hopefully they'll come back even when more sports resume, when the NBA gets its bubble going, when MLB's shortened season starts, when the NHL decides to kick up again. Um, hopefully some of the people that have been watching golf the last few weeks have, because they're a captive audience will stick around. And I'll just say this. I think having no fans in that hillside open contributed to some of that atmosphere because you saw the guys out there, the players out there. Mike Thomas was able to be out there, Justin's dad, because he's the instructor and has the plus one credential that, that the players get. So to be able to have a little bit of an audience and then you just got this totally shock in the crowd of or, or, or shock of just everybody volunteers um media members whoever and then jt's emotion himself was just super cool super super cool we have not talked to you since bryson took over the world um he is now the emperor by the way in case any of you don't know he now rules the world everything in the world is governed by him just kidding um, but what's your case, uh, uh, sorry, what's your take on uh, beefy Bryson? Do you think this is sustainable? Because my number one concern continues to be injury. I don't know how long it's sustainable. I mean, I, it's fascinating whether you like the guy or don't. I mean, I kind of find him grating and annoying. But <laughs> what he's doing is working. And until it stops working, it's going to be really, actually, it'll be more interesting when it stops working. Yeah. Right now, he's trying to do something that no one's ever tried. And the results have been great, even on courses where it shouldn't work. And I think he thought it through because he's not hitting low bullets 360. He's flying them 320 over every tree. His apex is ridiculous. Um, he's trying to do this in a way that while it shouldn't conceptually work every PGA Tour course it can work at every PGA Tour course because at the swing speed he's producing, you know, 130, 140 145 I've seen um, at those swing speeds if he misses just a little bit it's off the planet but he's hitting them relatively dead straight and so, yeah, he might only hit like 50% of his fairways in a tournament, but he's hitting them to places where sometimes he has to intentionally miss, uh, to places that are super narrow, the most, most narrow places of a fairway on a golf course. And he's still just putting them out there in really tight spots. And if he can improve his wedge play a little bit, and if he does 
anything resembling what he did in Detroit in terms of putting, it's really hard to stop a guy like that uh, unless he starts hitting wayward tee shots. That's really the only thing that's going to stop him. Now, the interesting thing is the swing speed that he's producing, I don't think anyone's ever tried this for that long. So does his break, back break down? Do other, do, does his shoulder start to hurt? I mean, there are a lot of things I think that can go wrong swinging that speed. But right now, where he puts the ball off the tee, he hasn't found himself in any spot where he just can't keep doing what he's doing. So I, I think he's going to keep trying this until he loses, basically loses control of the driver. And at that point, then maybe he has to reassess a little bit or throttle down. But even then, I... I think the advantages he gets from being able to blast the ball 350 and 360 routinely far outweigh uh, any potential benefits that come from clubbing down or slowing down and, and hitting more fairways. So I think it's he's going to keep doing this until his body won't let him. Yeah, I am with you wholeheartedly on that. I think this is going to be uh, something where you're going to keep seeing this, keep seeing this, keep seeing this until literally he can't do this anymore. We are talking to Ryan Ballinger here on Teeing It Up. Um, one thing that I found really interesting about Bryson is that here he has this great event, this great moment, and yet while in Detroit, he yells at a cameraman and that all goes viral and he just finds a way to instead of being captivating to be bleeping annoying in the worst possible moments and i think that's what is interesting brooks used to be a villain now bryson's the new villain which is good i think for the tour to have somebody to hate at but I actually don't like it in the sense of I think Bryson is fascinating, yet I wonder if people are being turned off because of his behavior. And it's so interesting when you compare that to this past week. JT and Morikawa are regarded as two of the nicest guys on the PGA Tour. And then you've got Bryson last week, who is, is hot or cold depending on who you like. It's a really interesting comparison. I think that's kind of partly why I tweeted about rooting for the future of golf to be more like Morikawa and Hovland on on Sunday, mm. pre sixteen or pre fifteen, uh, fourteen. I mean, at uh, at Mirfield compared to what Bryson's doing. But most of that was a technical thought. Like what Bryson's trying to do in overpowering golf courses, it's interesting, but it's not compelling. Morikawa and Hovland just playing beautiful golf—that's compelling. That's fun. Uh, and the guys are genuinely likable. Uh, I don't feel that way about Bryson. I don't think there are many people who do. I think there are some fans who who like Bryson because he's doing something different, and there's a segment of the population that likes uh, golfers or athletes or just outspoken people who try to kind of gum up with the media and... Uh, in, in their view, put them in their place or something like that, whatever that is. But, I mean, 10 out of 10 times, I would rather have Morikawa and Hovland than, frankly, Wolf and DeChambeau. And, and Wolf seems like a, a perfectly fine guy. But just in terms of what I want to watch, I would rather watch ball striking at its finest than two guys just bludgeoning a, a golf course that isn't able to keep up with 
modern technology or the, or the modern physique of a golfer. Yeah, it is a really fascinating situation. Ryan Ballinger's with us from the Golf News Net. All right, um, Tiger's back this week. Nobody's really seen him since the match. He was the best player in the match. Um, hit a stinger so good that Golf Magazine turned it into a shirt. Um, the folks from Golf TV and Golf Digest who were down there last week shooting season two of my game, Tiger Woods, said he looked good. But that's, you know, metalist and humidity. Um, we're going to be hot and humid again this week in Dublin, Ohio. But it, it doesn't really matter until you get it going. And here's the problem with not doing the doubleheader or not playing a Harbor Town, in my opinion, for Tiger, which is you're suddenly in a scenario where he's going to play this week, then take a week off, you would think, and then have to make a decision. Do you go to Memphis in the PGA back-to-back, or do you only play the PGA? And if you don't play well these next two weeks, you're going to have a hard, long slog to get yourself to Eastlake, especially if you can't go three straight weeks during the playoffs. This is a really interesting situation that has kind of arose for Tiger where... Yes, he's on a quest for 83. Yes, he's doing these amazing things. But, oh, by the way, you haven't played. You've been out for 10,000 months. And if you would like to win a FedEx Cup, you need to make a move because you're 41st in the FedEx Cup standings right now and you're not going anywhere up while you sit on the sidelines. I think you probably tabled the FedEx Cup for this year. Just <laughs> being honest. I mean, you're probably right. Well, yeah. Doesn't need the money if, if it if it comes in what he chooses to do around the PGA Championship and preparing for the U.S. Open and the Masters. Cool. I mean, I, I think he'll adjust. He, he did that a couple of years ago. But I, I think he's thinking, all right, I want to try to get as close to what I would typically do for a major in this kind of order. And well, Memorial is a tournament I always play, so I'm going to play that. And then that gets me to the middle of July in a couple more weeks. Here comes the PGA Championship. Well, that feels an awful lot like the U.S. Open. So I have a feeling he's just going to play this week, see where he is, and then we'll see him in Harding Park. And then he can decide what he wants to do about the playoffs. Uh, he's obviously in. He's obviously going to be in the first two legs. Uh, I don't see him dropping 29 more spots. I just don't see that, but I mean, it could happen, but I don't see it. So he's in the first two legs, so then he's got to figure out in those two tournaments a way to have a, you know, a top five, top ten, probably to get into the top 30 for sure, and, and to be into Eastlake. And then with no Ryder Cup to worry about this year, uh, he doesn't have to worry about that additional strain in the fall, which is good for him, because uh, that would have been a back-to-back thing. So then he can just kind of spend the next two or three weeks thinking about the U.S. Open, getting up to New York uh, and preparing for that. So I, I don't think we're going to see him a whole lot of uh, you know, before and after the playoffs. We're going to see him this time, this week. We'll see him at the PGA, whatever he does in the playoffs, and the U.S. Open. And then maybe, uh, I assume that the Asian swing is going to just be canceled. I, I just assume that. I can't point. see how you can go overseas. I'm not even sure how, how the LPGA is going to do their U.K. swing. I mean, 
because the UK is not in the Eurozone anymore, they can get away with it, but uh, the LPGA side, but there, I mean, there's no way South Korea is going to let a whole bunch of Americans roll in their country and play golf. Um, in Japan, I would imagine it's the same way, and besides, even if Japan was still on and Tiger could defend, I don't think that many guys would go because they couldn't connect the dots because they won't be able to play the HSBC champions and I assume South Korea is off for the CJ Cup so you would have one tournament I just can't imagine a lot of guys hopping on a plane for a zillion hours for one tournament it's just not worth it so I assume they're going to have to come up with something one or two events that are just concocted in, in that time frame maybe Tiger plays one of them somehow I don't know but um He's got to have one more start. There's got to be a gap start between the U.S. Open and the Masters. I, I am at least one. I, I don't know what that is because I also don't know what the schedule is going to be. I, I can tell you this, that if you are looking at that fall slate with something to potentially do and something to potentially aim yourself at... Um, I think the folks in Vegas would like to see you again, Tiger. Um, that would be nice. Now Vegas is a, a hot spot. So right. Want to go deal with that? But we're talking October 8 to 11. So I, I think a lot of this is going to be how much does the, 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 the COVID pandemic still factor at these points? Because then you get into, is there a Masters with no patrons? I mean, that's... Well, I mean, I don't... Uh, Georgia's crazy. I mean, I, Georgia, all the southern states are nuts. Um, so I, I don't put it past someone like Brian Kemp, who has been a total failure in, in, this, in this pandemic. I don't see it being past him to say, you know what, the Masters is so important to Georgia as an institution, we're going to allow fans in some fashion. Whether that's... 3,000 a day, or but we're, we're going to have patrons to the Masters, damn it. I mean, I watched a boxing match uh, the other night on CBS Sports Network in Mississippi that had 1,500 people there in an 11,000-seat arena. To me, that seems bonkers. Um, to some people, that does not. I would not agree with those people, <laughs> but um, I, I can see a scenario where Brian Kemp would say we will we will approve a plan to allow some masters patrons whatever that number is and augusta can figure that out well here's the other thing too augusta national has the has has the means to do some kind of rapid response test similar to what the pga tour is doing with sanford health i mean if there's one event that can get people in there safely it would be the masters Although then you're getting into silent carrier stuff. And is a snapshot in time good enough to convince everybody that you should let people in that way? I, I think if they have a master's, there, there's going to have to be a mask requirement like they were going to try to do with, uh, with Memorial. And I think that all turned on the fact that Tiger wanted to play. Because if Tiger wants to play the memorial and you're going to allow 8,000 in almost all of those people are going to go follow him Yeah, and that's a bad look and you can't control that uh, at the Masters if you allow maybe 2,500 3,000 people a day there's still 
applause. There's still not roars, but there's a gallery. And they're pretty well spaced out because Augusta's a big property and the, the patrons there are a little bit different. They don't just follow Tiger around. Uh, and a lot of them like to plant at holes all day. So, you know, you, you could see the culture of the Masters crowds working um, to allow some level of a fan attendance. And maybe if you're Augusta, you say, you've got to wear, you've got to wear a mask and you've got to get tested before you come to the tournament. You can't come to the practice round. There's no fans for the part three contest, but you got to get tested Monday, Tuesday, or what, Monday or Tuesday or something like that, whatever. 20, 48 hours before you come to your, come to the, the tournament. And if you test negative, you can come. And if you don't, you can't or something like that. I don't know, but they could put a testing protocol into place, I think, that people would be willing to follow because it's the freaking Masters. Uh, no offense to Memorial or any other PGA Tour event, but I would be willing to deal with that for, for the Masters. I wouldn't for pretty much any other tournament. Do you think JT gets revenge this week? Do you, do you, think, do you think Tiger will play well? What, what's your read on both how JT responds to what happened yesterday and what we'll see out of Tiger this week, especially for the first time in his career, uh, besides you know charity exhibition stuff without fans, um, going to be yeah. very different for him motivational wise. He feeds a lot off that energy. It's going to have to be a lot of him and Joey and and uh, Rob. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see who he's paired with, and if he tries to get a, like a mini game going, like almost like a Tuesday feel. Yeah, because. That he draws off that too. Um, it will probably be very strange because the guys are kind of. I mean, pretty much everyone else at this point has done it at least once, played without the fans. They kind of know what it's like. Uh, I think Tiger will play well. He's always played well in this golf tournament, uh, almost always. So I expect him to be a part of the conversation, but I think it also depends on how they get Mirfield Village set up in the next couple of days how much deeper the rough got over the course of the work day, how quickly they can ramp up the speed from maybe 11 to 13 or even 14 on the greens, all those types of things. That'll be interesting to see over the next few days how quickly they can do that because I think if it resembles more like the work day, Tiger's going to feel out of sorts because they use a lot of hole locations that they couldn't use in the memorial. But if they just kind of use classic memorial, okay, well, I think you can kind of come back and just, just be like a practice round. Just attack the golf course like normal and uh, try to include the competitive component of it. But for JT, uh, he's let tournaments go in recent I mean, he's a good closer, but he let go uh, Riviera last year to J.B. Holmes, which is unfathomable. Then <laughs> um, he still turned out okay. So I, I don't know if he's going to immediately bounce back, but I also don't... I mean, my brain... I think, well, guys who typically, if you're in contention, that kind of in contention, like you're threatening to win or you're in a playoff and you fail or you win, it's kind of hard to back you the next week, but we're playing the same course. So you got to feel good about playing the same course again. So part of me thinks, oh, yeah, sure, he'll just pick up right where he left off. Um, I, I think what he said yesterday after someone asked him, you know, how long will it take you to get through this, kind of shake this off? And he goes, I don't know. i got to prepare for another tournament that starts on Thursday on this same golf course. So I think he's going to try to compartmentalize it for the next seven days and 
if he's successful at that, I, I see no reason why he can't be uh, up on the, the leaderboard again. You want the rare Jeremy Schilling teeing it up hot take? Sure. Today is the most important day for Justin Thomas. They have shut the golf course today. You can't use it. They right. shut it last Monday. They shut it today. You literally cannot use this golf course. It is unavailable. They are using the range to replace divots. Um, so literally non-usable. I think today's crucial because what if Ricky said, hey, you know, let's go visit, I don't know, Inverness and just go play 18 holes and have fun and just forget about yesterday? Or will the fact that he has to sit around today actually be good and he can get his mind off of something? Maybe he'll work with Ralph Lauren on something or he'll do some charity work uh, prep for his event or something. I think today when he is forced to stay away from the golf course is the most important day of the week for him in terms of how he shakes this off for Thursday morning. Yeah, I think so. I think that's accurate. Um, he's just got to figure out a way to kind of deal with this for today and then he can fo focus in on a golf tournament. And, um, but he'll also be reminded of his failures in each practice round, so maybe he's going to deal with that too. I don't know. Uh, we don't have uh, we don't have a comparison for this. No, this is unprecedented. So, um, this is. Um, I, I mean, I, I believe in the best players in the world in their capacity to get past their failures. So I, I have to believe he's going to have a pretty good week. And also remember, he also almost let the tournament a champion slip away, but still won that thing in the playoff, even after hitting yep. one of the worst three woods you'll ever see in your life. So I do think that he, excuse me, um, it, it, he's got so much talent and he plays so well at Muirfield that I think he's going to do well um, this week. He had not had a great track record coming in, though he thought he played well at the venue built on that last week. I think he'll play well, but what happens Sunday then becomes a whole different story. But if he can wake up today and have a good day and go to sleep tonight in a good place, I think he will be good. Before we let you go, Ryan, anything uh, else out there catch your eye or anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, it's going to be good to have the Symmetra Tour back this week, and then in a couple of weeks we'll have the LPGA back. We've got the full European Tour Austrian swing completing this week and the UK swing the week after that for six weeks. Uh, hopefully get them back on TV again, which would be nice. They are. End of mornings. Yep, they are. The Betfair British Masters is the first one back on television. So that's exciting. Um, and we're not that far away from getting Champ Tour back. So it's going to start to kind of feel like a, a real summer of golf here soon. And I, I'm excited about that. And hopefully we're able to... Uh, to keep it up through all the regulation. Hopefully the LPGA can continue to have tournaments, even though it looks like fans are probably going to be tabled for the rest of the year. Hopefully something comes along in that front to make that economically viable. And we can kind of ease into the fall, at least with some sporting entertainment that, uh, that might distract us from all the other stuff that's going on. Amen to that. Let's hope that it comes to fruition. Ryan Ballingy, the Golf News Net. Uh, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Thanks, Jeremy. And thank you for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.